Hello everyone, I am Sophia Ramirez, your host of Safe Space, The Art of Unlearning. Today's episode is going to be a little bit different. Um, I'm not going to be interviewing anybody. I'm actually the one that's going to get interviewed. Uh, It's exciting. I'm a little nervous just because it's kind of like I'm handing the baton to, to other people. Um, but it should be good. I felt that I have been listening to many other people's stories and letting them tell their truth and be honest with themselves. And I think now it's my turn to do that because I've believe that I have been authentic and genuine in these past episodes. Um, but there has been, you know, a little bit of a restriction or resistance, but um, today is going to change. So there are two people who are going to be interviewing me today who are very important to me that I care about and who care about me and care about this experience that I'm going to have today. The first being Esperanza Dominguez, who is also known as Hope. She is a root healer, body sculpture, life, and spiritual coach. Um, She's a great friend. I have known her for the past two years now, and um, she has helped me in all of the titles that I just listed. So if you want to book a session with her, you can message her on her Instagram. I will have all of her links in the down bar below. And the second person who is going to be interviewing me is Dr. Paul Villanueva. He is a chiropractor here in Los Angeles, specifically in downtown LA and Lawndale. And he is also my boss. So I know it's kind of a little bit out of the ordinary for this to be happening, but... Um, Like I said, they are both people who I care about, and if you ever need a chiropractor and you want one who will help you with any of your needs and who is also a great doctor, he's a 10 out of 10, you could definitely give him a call. I'll list down all of his information as well, link down below. Um, So yeah, I'm excited. For this interview, I'm not uncomfortable to talk about what they will ask me. Like I said, I do know what these questions are. Um, So I hope you enjoy this episode and that I'm able to be truthful. And if you in any way likes this episode and want me to do this again, I'm open to it. Um, As always, thank you so much for listening and for supporting me and let's get into this episode hello happy saturday everybody happy saturday we're gonna be interviewing sophia my my helper here So I guess the first question would be, mm-hmm. uh, getting to know Sophia, right? You're going to start from the beginning, when she was a little girl, to mm-hmm. how she grew up, and to the, how she became the woman she is today. Mm-hmm. So the question, the first question is, uh, growing up as a 
with a single mother. Right. Uh, with two daughters, two siblings. Yeah. Um, what? How does how does that look like? Um, it was challenging. There was definitely a lot of days where um, I would have to. Well, first of all, my mom worked nights forever. She always worked nights, um, so the person- so she can take care of you guys in the day? Yeah, so she can take care of us in the day because that's what my dad would do. <laughs> my dad would take care of us during the day because um, my dad, when he passed away when I was five, that was like their schedule. He would work in the morning, um, my mom would take care of us in the day, and then my mom would go to work and they would switch. Um, so your dad was in your life even though they were not together? Right, yeah. Well, no, they were, they were together. They were married for um, like, 10, 15 years at that point. Oh, okay. Um, yeah. So, my mom, after my dad passed away when I was five, it became that my grandma took care of us um, at night and throughout the day or my aunt. Um, but there were some days where, um, when I was little and my mom would take my dad to the hospital because he was always in and out of the hospital all the time. Um, my grandma or my aunt would say um I can't take care of them take your daughters and so we would go to the hospital we would go and sit in the hospital and like watch my dad get all of his like routine stuff done eat his food <laughs> um and like what my mom said or like it was good for us to see that because that was something that we did need to see we needed to see the reality of how my dad was um, but there were also some times where we would stay the night at the hospital and we would have like sleeping bags and all our packed up stuff to stay the night at the hospital. Um, some of the nurses would offer us blankets. We would have like little TVs, uh, toys and coloring books. So you guys stay on the bed for the hospital? Or the no, uh, we would put together two chairs. So it was like four chairs, right? And it would be like a square. And then my sister would lay this way and I would lay the other way, so like this horizontal way. And we would have the sleeping bags, blankets, little chips and stuff. Uh, the nurses would leave like a nightlight for us so that we wouldn't be afraid of the dark and stuff. Um, but yeah, it was hard, challenging, but um, my mom did a good job. She did a really good job at raising the both of us like that. Interesting, huh? Yeah. Nice. Yeah, yeah, memories of being in the hospital <laughs> and being at home going to school. And you guys put the chairs together in the waiting room? Where exactly was this? No, in his room, in my dad's room. Like in the room that he was staying at, there's always like a, there's a couch or there's chairs. Um, my mom would take the couch or sometimes we would take the couch um, and we would put like two chairs together. Some nurses would bring in extra chairs and we would sleep there. Mm -hmm. Or sometimes you would sleep in the bed with my dad. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So what would you say are the challenges uh, of an everyday life with a single mom? Um, everyday life after my dad passed away, the challenges were my mom would get into work at 6 p.m. and then she would come home at 6 a.m. and we would start school at 8. So she would literally come home, shower, make us breakfast, um, take us to school and then go back home and sleep and uh, we would get out at three and sometimes my aunt would pick us up or um, my uncle would pick us up 
because my mom since she worked in the airport she had to leave her house at three to like drop off her car in the parking lot and then get on the shuttle bus go into the airport and all that time she would get there at 5 30 and then she would clock in at six so i wouldn't really see my mom a lot um which is like i don't think i didn't have a mom growing up i mean because she would on her days off would really dedicate to us like she would still like take us out to eat in the mornings um, or we would go to like, you know, the park and, or not the park. She never liked us to go to the park. Um, she would always get scared. We would go to the movies. That's what we would do. We would go to the movies a lot. She loves going to the movies on the weekends. Um, so my question is also, this is, um, as your mom's single, yeah. what were the challenges dealing with somebody also in the hospital mm. for your mom? Mm -hmm. Did you ever talk? To her as an adult what were those challenges growing up and working mm -hmm. so what were her challenges dealing with that like taking my dad to the hospital right taking yeah. care of them mm -hmm. seeing that everything was running good and mm -hmm. and also taking care of you guys um the challenges definitely was my mom was always driving him to the hospital always she never like asked for the extra help that like Kaiser has where like there's a bus that can come and like pick up patients if you can't. She would always drive him. She would always drive him and when he would come back from the hospital was the challenge because of all of the treatment he would receive. Um, my dad was six foot two, uh, 230 pounds. <laughs> and my mom is five foot two. At the time she weighed 130 and she would uh, shower him um make sure he had his breakfast ready because my dad through complications of his diabetes and high cholesterol and kidney failure um he had his leg amputated so he was in a wheelchair constantly mm -hmm. um and so we also had like the ramp in the car a van so like you had to open the van and there was like a ramp that his brother built him specifically so that he could just roll into the car and one seat was taken out of the car so that he could fit and sit right next to us. Um, and this was like where I understand now as an adult because I didn't, I wasn't able to have like sleepovers as a kid, like normal kids because of that, because my dad had his leg amputated. She knew that like a lot of kids would ask questions or a lot of kids wouldn't understand and um, it was hard. And also uh, the biggest challenge was as a two, three, four year old, um, I already knew how to take his blood pressure, how to check his sugars, where the orange juice was if his sugar was low, how many spoonfuls of sugar you had to put in so that you could make it. Um, if he needed to get up to use the bathroom, how to put him in his wheelchair, how to lock the wheelchair um, so that he wouldn't like roll away in the bathroom, take him to the bathroom, you know, my sister. Um, and like we would sleep with him so that in the middle of the night we would be able to help him and stuff because my grandma's a very deep sleeper. Were there ever moments where you felt um, lonely because your mom worked a lot? 
Um, no, because there was my grandma and my aunt and her um, ex-husband who at that time really helped us a lot. So it was like a busy household always. There was always somebody there. There was always somebody to distract us. Uh, the hard part was her going to work. My sister and I never wanted her to go to work. We would always like cry because she would have to go to work and she would leave and we wouldn't see her for hours. Um, but never lonely. There was never moments of loneliness, which was good. Or did you ever feel like an outcast? Because, uh, your mom, yeah, being raised by a single mom, um, because of your dad situation. Yes, because like how I said, there I didn't have moments of like having friends over for a sleepover, having friends over in general. There wasn't. It was really just me and my sister. My sister and I would rely on each other to like play with each other, play with our Barbies or watch TV. Um, so I knew very early on we weren't like other kids because other kids would say like, oh, we can go to like, they would invite me to like birthday parties and I wouldn't go because I knew I had to be home or um, we just never knew what was going to happen with my dad. There was always like a point of being on call because of his uh, heart problems and constantly going to check in for his amputation of his leg to see if it's infected. That was another thing that I knew how to do too. I knew how to disinfect his wound and how to like see if it was disinfected. If there was like a certain smell that it was expelling where I was just like, okay, I have to call the ambulance because it's smelling this type of way. It's not supposed to smell like that. Um, how old were you? Three. Three. Wow. Four. Oh, so wow. You have to grow up pretty fast. Yeah, definitely. And your sister's older or younger? My sister is older. She's older. She's two years older than me. So did she assume the uh, the older sister role when she takes care of you and take care of your dad? Or uh, yeah, or both of us at the same time. At the same time, we were both there um, for him, and also like my grandma and my aunt. Um, but like how I said, like in the nighttime, it was when it was really my sister and I taking care. Of how was your relationship with your sister? Uh, growing up, it was really good. It was, there was never a point where her and I fought. Never. We fought, we fight now that we're older. <laughs> we're like adults. <laughs> but like growing up as like teenagers, you know how like there's like siblings who like hate each other or don't like them to go into like their room or whatever. No, my sister and I, we shared a room until we were 15. Until I was 15 and she was 17. Um, we shared a room. We slept in the same room, shared the same closet, everything. So it was really good. Share one favorite moment with your sister. If you had, oh. what was the favorite moment that you shared? Uh, oh, there was one time. You know, it's like 15 minutes into the episode and there's already an ad. So I'm sorry, and um, but I wanted to introduce to you guys Anchor and what the platform has done for me in this podcast. So Anchor is a podcast platform where you could record, edit, and publish via their website or on the app. So Anchor is a place where you can edit, 
as well as put in your own background music or just also excludes the middleman from podcasting. I know it's very complicated or a lot of people believe that it's so complicated to get your podcast on Spotify and or Apple Music or Google Play and Anchor takes care of that for you. They actually just let you upload everything and they will do the distributing and help you, you know, access, gain access to Apple Music, Spotify videos, um, Google Play, and you're able to just, you know, continue creating and continue doing what you like to do. So thank you so much to Anchor for helping creators like myself do podcasts. Um, And yeah, I hope you enjoy this and let's get back to the interview. Where um, my sister, my mom had gone to work and my sister and I were hungry and my grandma was asleep. (laughs) And so we were like, we can't wake her up because my grandma being like really old not older, but she was, you know, not as how she used to be. We were like, we can't wake her up because she's gonna get mad that it woke her up and we'll just figure it out. And so my sister thought it was a bright idea to make, to manipulate me and <laughs> make, get like the, the ice cream scooper. She got the ice cream scooper and she scooped butter. She scooped butter, two huge chunks of butter, and put Hershey's chocolate on it and told me it was ice cream. Ooh. <laughs> and I ate it and I was like, this isn't, I was like, this isn't ice cream. I was like, why are you giving this to me? She was like, it is. Um, obviously I got sick and stuff, but like definitely. You ate it. Yeah, <laughs> I did. Of um, course you say it. I know, I was like, this isn't right. Um, but and I told my mom, I was like, "Oh my god, why did you do that?" Like, she kind of got like really sick. Um, or, was she laughing during yeah, the she was laughing. And she was like very like suspicious, and I was like, "This isn't, this isn't it." Like, um, I don't like this ice cream. I know. I was like, "This isn't great." And then uh, I think I like the chocolate on it. Right. <laughs> um, I think my grandma woke up at one point. She did like make us stuff and stuff, but she got mad at her. But like. There was definitely like moments like that where like my sister would like troll me and like do things like that. Don't feel bad. My <laughs> sister did that to me too. Yeah. <laughs> oh my god. We moved past it, so it's fine. And if you guys fight nowadays, what is it about? Um, uh, nowadays that we're older, mostly time, spending time with each other. We're like, um, there's definitely like more moments where. I have time to spend with her, but I'm like either choosing to do something else or spend time with somebody else. And like, um, you know, I guess we've learned through so many things in life that like time is nothing, really. Like we need to start spending more time with each other, especially now, like I'm, she lives in New Mexico. She doesn't live like how she lived here 10 minutes from here. She's not there anymore. And like now, um that i went to go and see her it was a good time but i i knew i should have implemented more into seeing her during that time and i know i'll do it again when i go um but definitely time 
time. Fucking he's here. Uh, well, the last time I saw her was in November. I haven't seen her since. I've mostly texted her and we've like talked on the phone, but I haven't seen her since November. So now when you see her, you want to see her, right? Yeah, I want to see Isn't her. Isn't it different? Yes, I want to see her now. I wish I could like, you know, go all the time, but I can't <laughs> and stuff. So mm -hmm. that's the main thing that we think about. So growing up, did you feel any pressure um, growing up as a becoming an adult or um, responsibilities, assuming responsibilities, uh, obviously with your dad and right. any other type of uh, pressures that you can say? Um, I think the pressure of growing up was uh, that I mostly figuring out why it's so important to save money <laughs> when i was a teenager because uh, obviously when you're a teenager like you solely rely on your parents right for everything um and so i didn't get like my first like quote-unquote job where i would get paid until i was 20 because every job that i had before that i worked in uh, my high school as a front desk receptionist um, and then even before that, when I was eight, um, I would help my aunt sell clothes in the rhodium, in the swap meet in the rhodium. And that's what I would do with my sister and my aunt. We would do that. We would go early morning, Saturdays from like 6 a.m. to like 4 <laughs> mm. and like shout like payments <laughs> of like everything and like, uh, sell jeans, I would get shoes. Um, it was funny, my mom was telling me the other day of like how I wanted to buy shoes off of my aunt when I was seven. And they were like shoes that were like, I think at the time they cost maybe like 20, 30 bucks or something. Um, and my aunt was like, well, how much are you gonna give me for the shoes? And I was like, how about $3? And she was like, okay. <laughs> and was like, she would just give them to me. She wouldn't like charge me or anything, but um, I think, I don't know, it's a very difficult question too because I felt like I had a childhood, definitely. I definitely learned about responsibilities early on, but I think I've just always had this mindset of growth. You know what I mean? Like I've always had the mindset of like growing up, you have to do these things, you have to do this, you have to learn how to do that. And like, not a lot of kids grew up the way that I did. Mm -hmm. It seems you were thrown into the fire with your dad taking care of him mm -hmm. at three, four years old, and then you know, uh, selling. I know. Video. <laughs> and uh, yeah, it looks like uh, you had to grow up ahead of your time. I did. I had to grow up ahead of my time. And I'm not like guilt tripping anybody. I'm not saying it was anybody's fault. I'm just saying that's how things were, really. Yeah. That's how it was. And. Um, I'm happy for it because it's made me more mentally prepared for other things. Like right now, I'm taking care of my grandma, <laughs> like, you know, um, and I've been taking care of her since as well since after my dad passed, too. How is she doing, by the way? She's doing okay. I really hope you guys are enjoying this episode so far. Um, I'm back with a little short break, but I wanted to say 
Thank you for anybody who is one listening to this podcast in general. It means a lot to me. I love the support. But if you are listening to this the day before I posted the podcast into every other platform, thank you so much because that means you have joined my Patreon. And Patreon is a subscriptive website where creators are able to post videos, podcasts, drawings, anything that is art and creative. Um, it is, I have two tiers. You could join on the $15 tier, which includes exclusive early access to my podcast before it's out to the public and or the 25 tier, $25 tier, which also includes early access to episodes before it's out in the public. But the difference is that if you join the $25 tier, you are able to set up a video call with me via Skype or Zoom where we could discuss how you want to start your podcast. If you want to bounce off of ideas or you have an idea, you just want to run it by a different perspective and see what you can improve on that, I could help you. And also, I would ask you for your um, video consent so that I would be able to post that on Patreon to not only help the viewers in learning and everything, but also help you so that there could be like a little sneak peek of this new podcast platform that's coming out. Um, So I'd be so excited to help you in any of your way and journey in creating a podcast. Um, Again, thank you so much for joining my Patreon and the link is down below. And without further ado, let's get back to the episode. She's coming soon. Um, I'm, you know, as much as she believes that she's okay, I still have that mindset in the back of my head where, like, I don't know what she looks like. I have no idea how she is because with me, it sounds bad, but there's more control. There's more structure. When she's alone, that goes out the window. Like, she does whatever she wants. She does whatever she needs. She doesn't care about her health. So I'm weary about how she's going to be coming here. (laughs) So it's like, yes, she's fine, but I don't know. I never know. It's a love-hate relationship? Uh, Yeah, with taking care of her because obviously I always want the best for her. I always want her to be okay. I want her, you know, to live these last few years of her life in harmony. You know, she's 87. Like she shouldn't be going through all of these things, but at the same time, she believes she still has the mental and physical capacity as she did when she was like in her 50s or in her 60s, which is good because she doesn't feel her age. Um, But at the same time, she's not really listening to her body. And like, she needs to listen to her body and learn how to do that and learn what she can and can't do. 
I think by that age, <laughs> they're just like ready to just be free. It's hard, yeah. yeah. It's or challenging. It's challenging, but um, yeah, she's ready. So, how having at this time responsibilities affect you, or they benefit you now at this age? I think it's a double-edged sword. Okay. I think it's definitely beneficial because like I said, I'm learning many things. I'm learning so many responsibilities of like insurance, hospital bills, how things work, how to make appointments, what doctors to look for, what questions to ask. And like, um, it makes me mentally prepared for, you know, if I would ever have a partner in the future, we're just like, okay, I know what to do. I know what to do. I know how to handle all of these things. You know, I hope that doesn't happen for me that I don't have a partner in the future that is like this. Um, uh, but the, like, I think the yang, cause it's like the yin and so to the yang, right. it's tiring. I'm tired. I'm so tired, mm -hmm. but I know that I'm able to do it, mm -hmm. and so I'm going to keep doing it. But it's definitely a lot of moments where it's like, I, when am I going to live for me? You know what I mean? Like, when am I going to just not do all of this anymore? Because I, I don't want to do it anymore sometimes. Like, I'm so tired. But I wouldn't want somebody else to do it. I'll do it. You know? So then that means you're not tired. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> right. I think it's just like mentally exhausting. Like dealing with so many insurance, dealing with so many things, and then also emotional side of like my grandma and stuff. But it's, um, I don't want to give that power to anybody else. So I'd rather just take it. Yeah. So yes and no, <laughs> but I'll be fine. And uh, do you have any role models right now? Or mm. growing up, did you have any role models at the time? Ooh. At the time of what? Uh, growing up as a, as a kid, uh, young adult, um, and or now. I think growing up, definitely my main, I mean always, my main role model is going to be my mom. She's always just like resilient, she knows how to, you know, have a thick skin, knows how to fix things and do things in a way that like, if I don't know, I know I can just like look at her and she'll be like, I got you. Like I know what to do. Um, but I guess also growing up, there wasn't a lot of people that looked like me on TV. So it was very hard for me to like pick a role model to say like, she looks like me, so I'm allowed to be on TV. <laughs> like right. there was like a lot of, more like musicians that like we knew about because even like the top musicians of my time growing up like jenny rivera she was on tv sometimes you know what i mean like mm -hmm. her coming up now when she got big obviously she was on tv everywhere but there was never a moment where i was just like she looks like me there was just always like people making fun of the accent making fun of hispanic people so, there was never like really a lot of women empowerment at the time of me growing up. So with your dad's transition, did mm -hmm. you have any male figures that were role models for you? Um, uh, yeah. 
there was my uncle who used to live in Tijuana. Now he lives in El Salvador with my family. Um, we would see him every weekend. He would go every weekend to Tijuana all the time. One, because that was like, that's my grandma's son and she always worried about him because he deals with addiction. Um, he's a recovering drug addict and a recovering alcoholic. He's been sober for seven years. This is like his fifth rodeo, but he's getting there. Um, he's definitely better now. But yeah, we would always go and see him. And even though from the outside looking in, a lot of people would say like, he's an unstable person. He can't take care of himself because we would go and see him. And honestly, when we would go into his apartment, he would be passed out on the floor, drunk out of his mind. And then, but my mom would go and wake him up and he would, she would help him shower and he would get out. And, um, he would always have something for my sister and I, a toy, a t-shirt. He would always go and buy like pan dulce in the morning at the open market so that we could have breakfast. Like, even though like he wasn't stable with himself, he was still there for my sister and I, always. Like he was definitely, I, I mean, I call him dad. I do. I call him Papa whenever he calls me and I say like, hi, and yeah, he's my dad. <laughs> Definitely. He's my dad. He's my dad. Um, and my other uncle who lives in El Salvador too, were like, we would see him a lot when I was little traveling and stuff, but the person who I spent the most time with was him. So he was my dad. Beautiful. Yeah. I'm glad that I still like have a better relationship with him now even though he still calls me like mi niña because like he'll always see me that way but um he understands that like i'm 26 <laughs> like i'm not a little eight-year-old that would run to him and we would see him and stuff and, like that would always like buy me stuff at the open market you know it's great it's great that i still have him and that he's still here and he's healthy yeah <laughs> and growing up without a father being there with you uh, in the household mm -hmm. Um, how did that affect you in terms of feeling safe? Um, uh, a lot. It was definitely like, cause our house wasn't safe. Like structure, building structure wise. Like I, the house that I currently live in right now is my aunt's house. But in the back, everybody sees a garage, but I lived in that garage <laughs> until I was 15. And so that garage, the side door, it also doesn't close, right? You have to like lift it, to open it and then push it. <laughs> and then to close it, you have to lift it and pull it. And um, all that like building structure and stuff, it was hard because like my dad knew how to do everything he did he knew how to fix things he knew how to fix like the toilet if it was clogged the sink after the, the the kitchen um everything he knew how to do everything and then obviously when he got his leg amputated he couldn't do anything and um not having him around was hard because it was always about we have to pay somebody to do things for us who is a man 
but we would always get ripped off because my mom was a single mom and nobody cared nobody cared um so there's like definitely a lot of moments with like my car or my mom's car at the time with like her van where things would like break and we would have to take it to somebody and they would like charge her like double than what it's supposed to be and they wouldn't do anything so it was definitely not a lot of structure of having a man to say like oh you're doing that wrong you're not doing this right or like do you sure you check that or whatever and so not having a dad there's definitely a lot of things that my mom had to learn like changing the oil in her car um the water checking the brake fluid checking the windshield wiper fluid putting air in your tires um i know how to do all of that because of my mom my mom taught me how to do all those things we would go to the gas station and she would be like this is how you put air in your tires and then we would buy the little measuring tool to like check the air in your tires to see if that's it um there was definitely a lot of learning how to do things on my own because we're just women who are on their own Especially a lot of people don't know how to do that Really nice. <laughs> <laughs> true i mean i know how to like i made the joke i think with my friend the other day where like i know how to change locks on a door and i'm just like so if like you have like a toxic boyfriend or toxic partner i can go and change your locks and you won't have a key to your place anymore <laughs> like i got you i'll do it um the only thing i don't know how to do is change a tire i need to learn how to change a tire but that's what it was definitely a lot of me learning how to do quote-unquote manly things on my own. Mm -hmm. Whoever said they were manly. <laughs> yeah, just basic <laughs> things on my own. Definitely. Right. So, growing up Latino, mm -hmm. Latina, sorry, how did you feel going to a Catholic school? Did it impact your belief system? Um, 